0: Right, guys, we are back with Alexei Hamblin, the founder of the luxury streetwear brand River God, designer for over 500 clothing brands. Would you rather be like um, a represent level brand owner or a KSI level creator?
1: So, when I was a kid, like, I, it was, you know, I really wanted to be like a big creator on YouTube or whatever the platforms were at the time. Like, I was super into that. That's why I know how to edit videos and stuff. Um, but, like, now, so n- now I've got to a point with with River God and the brand and everything that when I'm out I get recognised quite a lot by people. Um, like if I'm just going to like some gig somewhere, people come and talk about it, which is lovely. I, which is really really yeah. cool. But at the same time, I couldn't imagine what it must be like to be at the level of actual fame as KSI, where you can't really go to anywhere that's not super exclusive without being bombarded for pictures or like, you know, just a chat with someone. It, it's a bit. Because I like going out and just getting wasted and being a knobhead, basically. Um, (laughs) And I think if I was like super, super famous personally, um, I would just get too scared to really go out and enjoy myself. But with a brand like like George Cheating Represent, like I think he's got a good balance of a lot of people in the scene know who he is, but he could go he could walk around the streets without getting harassed or whatever. But he's also got an incredible like company and brand at the same time, so that's definitely the route I'd go down. Now that yeah. I've sort of got a, a bit older and sort of understand what it's like to kind of be, I'm not, a, by no means am I trying to say that I'm like, have any kind of fame, but being recognized quite a lot when I'm out has made me realize that's fame isn't something that I'm particularly attracted yeah. to. Um, more of a byproduct of trying to build a brand.
0: Got it. And there's a level to get to where you know enough people within the scene, as you say, know you. But then, yeah, the point where you're ending up in the Daily Mail just because you went to buy some chewing gum—it's probably <laughs> not um yeah. where you want to get to. No.
1: Yeah, it's quite suffoc. I imagine it's quite suffocating, like just constantly feeling like everyone's watching you or catching you out. So, but it's definitely, def- definitely like five or six years ago, I would have, in a heartbeat, said to be like on care size level. Like, yeah. I mean, I used to make. It was Joe Weller for me back in the day, like I used to be obsessed with Joe Weller, my personality was basically just a rip off of Joe Weller for about three <laughs> years <laughs> um but yeah that's that's what I'd say
2: jolly good uh, do you do you think there's a bit of um there's a possibility that you could just become a creator like i e with the content that you're creating and obviously the collection is there, but do you think there is a possibility that you will outgrow the brand and just become like a creator in your own right and that will become your thing because people are following you people are interested in your your life and maybe maybe river god doesn't die but as in like the creator side would take over and become become more
1: uh, that's an interesting question so i, I do actually get quite uh, offered a lot of brand deals at the moment which i find ridiculous because if you actually watch my content you know that i'm just trying to promote my own company like <laughs> i don't know why i would promote another clothing brand or promotes you know and I've had some interesting offers, um, and I can see why people do it. Because fucking hell, you get paid shit tons, or get a load of free shit for basically nothing. Mm. Um, and I think it's it's a good fallback to have. Like if the brand doesn't work out, or if I have trouble scaling, and you know, um, it's nice to kind of have that. But at the same time, like a lot of my content that I actually enjoy making is using River God as the sort of prop mm. or like reference point in the video and that's why a lot of people follow me so and I think as well with the kind of content that I make if Rivergod was to fail I don't know how well I'd how well I'd retain an audience because who's going to take advice from the guy like giving advice and opinions on streetwear if he can't build a brand himself so I mean, because I, a lot of, I don't really have much personality and that's something I wanted to mention today as well. Um, uh, In my content, not, not just in real life, but like <laughs> in, in my content. Um, I'm really boring. Guys. Yeah, absolutely yeah. boring. Podcast yeah. 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 <laughs> right, cheers guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so in my content, it's quite, and this is what I found through, I've become really good friends with the owner of the brand X16, Johnny, who I did a podcast with and he found me through TikTok, even though he literally is 15 minutes a train away from me. And he basically said that the way I come across on TikTok is very like robotic and quite um, quite quite prestige, which which is why I think my friends found it really weird when I first started making that content. Because in real life I'm not really like that at all. Like everything I talk about comes from a place of passion. But it's such a small part of who I am that is the only real profitable thing to put online. That I think transitioning I, I wouldn't really consider like myself a social media personality at this point it's just a guy that has a clothing brand and kind of knows a bit about the industry so i mean look if river god fails and the only thing i've got going for me at the time is a tiktok and instagram following then i probably will use that for a bit but i think i'll always be doing some kind of company regardless whether it's river god or not that i'll then sort of focus my content on so
2: yeah it's interesting um when we look at clothing and creators as a, as a holistic view, I've looked at this quite extensively because of my work with creators and and what I do and what a lot of them are doing now is they're realizing that, you know, brand deals aren't going to be the be all and end all. Like it isn't going to completely sustain you forever. And also that income is variable, right? Mm -hmm. So as much as we like for us getting a brand deal would be brilliant. And please do sponsor the podcast. If anyone's (laughs) listening, um, But what I'm finding more and more is that actually KSI, if you look at what he's done, he's got several businesses, several products. And you know, you could go on and list several people. They're all creating clothing brands. The question I have for you is, as a connoisseur of streetwear, someone that actually cares about the design of clothes, do you find it a little bit sad that like a creator could just come in tomorrow with a million plus audience, create a streetwear line and sell hundreds of thousands of units? How do you feel about
1: that? I hate it, like, like with a quite a passion. I, I hate that because I got in the industry and I've been. So I'm I'm only twenty now, but I, since I was fifteen, I've been working my ass off, like understanding the culture of the industry and understanding the value of what goes into an actual piece of clothing that isn't, you know, isn't just like it's GSM or it's 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 fit or like the graphic on it, but understanding the cultural importance of certain pieces of fashion. And when I design my clothes, like I have such a personal affinity to it when I'm holding it in my hand, it's, it's almost like a, like, I don't, I don't really know how to describe the emotion cause I don't like the closest thing I can imagine it'd be like, is to like holding like your son or something. Like I put so much time and like months of work into a product and say for example, if I get a, like a sample from China, it, it doesn't have that weight to me. It's just a graphic on a t-shirt. But if I've gone through months of supply chain management and getting fabrics from one place, Another, you know sampling for ages it just has such a personal connection to me when I see the uh, uh, you know and obviously like part of the whole thing is communicating that that personal um, attachment when you see like a, a big creator comes in they've paid some graphic designer like like a grand or whatever to design a full collection and they're pumping out units and they're selling loads I, I really really dislike it because it, it just <laughs> it's frustrating because yeah like I put so so much of my personal just energy into my clothing and these guys come in outsell me they don't give a fuck about the culture they don't give a fuck about the industry they're just there to make money however I do love what the um the TGF guys do with the childish line it's not really my personal style but they it's a brand it's not a it's not a merch line they if you look at their packaging their campaigns they do the designs I think it's a it's a really really great project and they clearly understand further than just like trying to milk cash out of an audience i get it completely from a business point of view and i would definitely do the same if i was these creators yeah but as someone who you know has such a personal attachment to the the products that i make and put so much time and effort into incorporating storyline and meaning behind them it's just a bit it just feels very like vacant to me like quite quite fake
0: yeah
2: if someone if someone came to you who was a massive creator and was honest and said look i don't know what i'm doing in the space i don't know about design but i'm interested in launching a label would you would you work with them, and how would you work with them?
1: So I have done that before uh, a long time ago. Do you know that that Gideon guy? Yeah, yeah. So I worked with him when he had like like twenty thousand subscribers. Wow. I had no idea he was going to get to the levels he's at now, um, but it was a really exciting project at the time because it was before I would released anything with River God and before I'd realized how much essentially blood, sweat, and tears goes into my products and what I want to share with the world from from a River God drop. Um, these days. <sighs> If they came to me, I would I I, I would sit like, like have a proper conversation with them and say like, look, you have the power here and the influence to create something genuinely, really meaningful and exciting. I'm not going to take your money to just slap a logo on a t on a, on a jumper and then for you to just shell it out on some cheap like guild and blanks to your to your audience of 15 year olds. I'd say, you know, I'd really want to build a brand with them because having that audience to just tap into instantly, that already trust what you're going to do. It's so exciting to me. And like a lot of what I do, you know, I still do a lot of designer consultancy outside of God, just because I love what I do. I love being in the industry. Uh, and a lot of people I do reject um, that work with me. You know, this like the whole hustle culture thing kind of invading the fashion space. I get a lot of people that come to me and they're like, oh, like, you know, am I going to make money from this drop? Like, it's like, no, that's not why you should be doing it. And I just reject working with those people because it, I can't. I don't think I can design a nice piece if it doesn't have that kind of emotional attachment, whether it's from me, whether it's from them. Um, Even when I'm skint, like I don't take those jobs because it, it it just feels like I'm selling my soul a bit uh, and contributing something that I don't want to exist in a sense. So I suppose that's what I'd say.
0: Hustle culture is an interesting one then, isn't it? It's um, it invades every social media outlet possible these days. It's on LinkedIn. There's motivational quotes everywhere. Um, so I suppose then to, yeah, to come on to, your, to yourself, do you feel like you have balance in your life at the minute? Um, is it important to you or what Josh and I were talking about last night is like if you really want it, you have to give up stuff. You have to, you know, you can't reply to all your friends on WhatsApp all the time because you, you get into bed and you're so tired, you know, you don't ring your mum or your dad or whatever. Um, so, yeah, do you have balance in your life and do you find it hard and what you have to give up?
1: Well, this is why I find the whole like like fucking nine to five strap line so stupid. Because it's not the nine to five. Like, if you want to actually build something from your your, your yourself that's going to make more money than a corporate job, you're working far longer than nine to five, and you're working weekends. So I think it's more just a terminology. I think nine to five is a stupid way of phrasing it, because it's just like the corporate, like, Great. standard job. But for me, I mean, I don't know, to be completely honest. It's not something I really think about. Like, what I did find, though, is that over Christmas, when now that I'm really, like, skinning the game now, like, I'm here to stay, like, I'm not just doing this as a little side project, this is my full-time work now. When it got to Christmas, when, you know, manufacturers were closed for for that, like, all this sort of stuff, when everything had stopped, I felt so lost, which is really weird, because I wasn't even doing that much anyway, but just not having the option to work and keep progressing and keep building, I just felt very out of place, just even at my own house, you know. So... I think I kind of need to have a lot of work in my life and if I don't if I have a day where I'm not I've not done at least some work I feel just odd but I probably need to have more more relaxation in my life Um, because I do love what I do so much that like for me whereas people might want to go and watch Netflix for, for an evening I'm there I just love just spinning new marketing strategies in my head like on my own like I'm a bit weird in that sense, but it definitely has taken its its toll on like the social side of my life is that I do. I I often go and visit my friends at uni's and I'm always trying to be out and stuff and see people. Um, but when it comes to messaging people, because like so much of my work is consultancy and design over WhatsApp, over Instagram, even messaging friends or like girls that I'm speaking to, it just feels like work now. Like it doesn't. And, and it's, I feel awful because like, like how can I say to some girl that like I'm seeing? Oh yeah, sorry, it feels like work talking to you because like, because <laughs> it's it's not them personally. It's, it's just that, it's
0: the tool you're using and the mechanism, I suppose, of that communication.
1: Yeah, so I, I I'm awful at responding to DMs. I just forget to reply so many times, and I think people have got to the level now with me where they know that it's it's not me. Like, because what if like I catch them when we're both online at the same time? I'd have like a easily have like a half an hour chat just going backwards and forth or call them or whatever. It's never anything personal. It's just like i just hate messaging
2: yeah (laughs) do you think that you have consciously now said to yourself i'm going to focus on work for x amount of time and and sacrifice like romantic relationships and potentially friends to build the business because i think when i was growing up in my early 20s and even even in late in late 20s i was like i'm going to focus on work because like i need to in this time of my life i want to sort of build something Mm -hmm. Do you think you've done that I mean,
1: mean, like, I know for, like, for a certainty, I'm not, like, until I'm at least, like, 25, I'm going to be like this. Like, just because that's what I love and I have the energy to do it. And I want to, I don't want to look back and think, fuck, I should have gone for that when I haven't. Um, But at the end of the day, you can't really predict these things. Like, you can't be like, yeah, I'm not going to want to be with someone. I'm not going to want to do stuff with my friends for the next two years because... Your mind changes all the time, and you meet people. You, your life, people just you, you know leave your life. You know, it's it's not something that I feel like I can really honestly give like like a, a time frame to. But I, I definitely know that like I like the idea of retiring, for example. Like you know, that's everyone's kind of dream to retire and fucking Maldives or whatever. Mm-hmm. I I find that idea just so unattractive. I, I think whatever I'll be working till the day that I die. But not like in the sense of making TikToks, you know, when I'm like 85 in the car. <laughs> well, you home. never know, mate. But like doing like consultancy or like business strategy, that sort of stuff. I just find it's, it's just, it just that's what makes me tick. So mm. like maybe I'll learn as I'm older to sort of integrate my life more with work. But right now, and a lot of my work like does involve my friends. Like when I'm doing events and stuff, like or I'm doing parties, I have all my friends helping me out with those and working with me on them. So whatever like pop-up stores you know they'll come basically to have a holiday for a week but in the day we're doing the shop kind of thing so whatever happens they're always going to be like friendships i don't think i'm ever gonna struggle like leaving behind or anything
2: yeah so going back now to like hustle porn right i think (laughs) you're 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 talking (laughs) well define hustle
0: porn please joe
2: (laughs) i think it's people that are predominantly on linkedin and also Instagram these days, where they're just working <laughs> 24-7 and telling you that if you're not working 24-7, you're a failure.
0: Yeah, you're not trying hard enough.
2: Yeah. Okay. So, so we've defined hustle porn. Okay, got you. Yeah. So now you are doing that, right? You're working constantly. You're working seven days a week. But I wouldn't say you profess to other people that they should do the same. Like, you're not someone that's out there going, you've got to work hard, otherwise you're going to be a failure.
1: Yeah, because I, I don't I didn't think success or failure by any means should be determined by how much money you have in your bank account like okay great you might have millions in there but are you happy like do you have meaningful relationships like i'm much more of an advocate for just do what makes you happy and if you can make money from it fucking do it um and i'm more than happy to help where i can with people that you know but i I don't know I, i i don't i think it's a very odd culture um and it doesn't really bother me because you know there's the, I I live very much by the sort of morals of, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. And you know, like if you just constantly look at other, what other people are doing, you won't you won't be happy with what you're doing. Um, but now that it's getting to the like the very final stages of my degree, a lot of my peers and you know friends that are trying to get into the corporate world, trying to get their jobs, on LinkedIn, seeing all of this stuff and feeling like they're so behind in life, even though they're just about to graduate from the best business school in the country with a good degree they still feel like they're just not doing anything with their lives and that they're so far behind. And I'm seeing it the way it's affecting them. It is really quite sad. And I, I get like, why like these fucking gurus post that? Cause they're trying to flog some <laughs> course or whatever. Yeah. But it, 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 it's, it's scummy, I think. Um, and I think there's, there's a lot. Self-help is, a, is is a great thing. And I think a lot of people are genuinely amazing, like self-help creators online. But if you're, telling people how to live their lives and if they don't live that way, it's wrong. I think it much more should be like a nurturing approach, like sort of saying like, okay, here's things that you can do to improve this aspect of your life, not you need to do this or you're a fuck up and everyone's going to hate you kind of thing. So, so. When you're
2: talking about hustle there and you're talking about the the amount that you're working, what really drives you is like the fulfilment of the art as opposed to the money. Like you've talked quite extensively and with us quite a lot about how you're almost happier in the moment when you're skint because that's when the creativity sort of comes out. So it's not for you it's not about money at all, is it?
1: No. Uh it should be because I'm running a company. Um but the only things I care about money for is going out holidays with my mates, just just enjoying life, like doing real life stuff. Um I was very materialistic growing up because I'd, I, you know, I'd always aspire to have things. But when I had the money to get them, I realized that it's just it's like, okay, I have this thing in my hand now. It doesn't really do anything. Um, like for me, I, I just and I, I think, like in all honesty, to be completely transparent with the people that support the brand, I don't know if River God will be the thing that's gonna make me my, you know, millions or whatever. I think it's it's gonna be very successful. But the way I run it is so much on just providing the highest quality and most meaningful products at a cut price. Like, I'm happier to take lower margins on my – to 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 offer better products than my competitors at a lower prices kind of thing. Um, but it's definitely for me, like uh, – because I, I know so many times I've been so tempted And me and me and Johnny, uh, you know, at 16, we've been talking about the idea of starting one of these Y2K brands that just fucking pump out shit from China – because if I was to do one of those brands, I would make fucking bank. Like, I would make so much money because I know how that works so well. But it's just, I just wouldn't, I have no attachment to it. I just feel like, what, the, what am I doing this for? Um, and I'd only use the money to then put into River God anyway. So, same with consultancy, same with design. I only do that to put money into the brand. So, yeah, like, I, I wouldn't really, like, I just, I, I what I really enjoy is working really hard on a piece, um, being really proud of it posting it online and getting loads of dms and messages of people saying oh, i can't wait to this release is like that's like you can't you can't buy that you can't buy that feeling of accomplishment um i get with that maybe when i have kids and stuff i'll be like actually maybe i need to get some money <laughs> to, to pay for their food but <laughs> as of right now i'm i'm just happy just sort of you know going through it and i actually you, the point you made there about you were know, saying that i like being broke like yeah man i've been fucking skinned recently like doing all the promotion for these cargos and it it, it, it what it did it gave me one of what I think is the most like interesting ideas at the moment is I was trying to think of a way. So the new cargoes that I'm releasing uh, next, well a week today, uh, they might be out by some podcast. I don't know, but there, you know, I wanted to play on the whole British made luxury angle, but without trying to lecture people without trying to tell them that they're wrong for not buying, you know, buying in China, because like I've been no place to lecture people about sustainability all that sort of stuff. But at least I can, you know make my products in a certain way then if people like that they can buy them but I was thinking how the fuck can I communicate this to people without um again trying to force it on their neck that British made is better so that's when I had this whole idea of trying to really just connect it to other British made luxuries so I've done you know like parody photoshop pictures of like you know like David Beckham or any a very iconic British British name like David Brent you know like a you know that that kind of thing like I had a picture of Blur from the nineties. I've had the more to the new the new pieces, and it's like that whole angle. When I'm going to go down quite a lot with when I do the heritage pieces, is just connecting to British culture True. and doing like skits and adverts. Where you know we're going to like fish and chip shops and we're buying the new pieces from there, kind of thing. And if I wasn't skinned, I would have just bought some adverts um, just to try and get the the views up. But now it's like you know what I'm going. People actually loved when I did that first little post. Like it was only. You know, like a few pictures, but I was getting so many people sharing it and like DMing me. But you, which I wouldn't have got from just an advert of the cargos. I, I, I wouldn't have had that idea if I wasn't yeah. trying to maximize, you know, what I can do just with creativity. So, yeah, like that's why I don't think I really care about that much money at this stage. But
0: yeah, well, I was going to ask what the end goal is, but it's very clear that the journey of fulfillment of the art, as you just put it, is is very much what you're here for. Alexi and uh the process of of getting there um because as you said the nine to five and the promise of a retirement where you work for 40 years and a crap job is not not what appeals to you to so then go, go, go and get maybe like 10 or 15 years of retirement where you may or may not be healthy so I think the journey in these next 40 years is probably the most um, important thing
1: yeah, like stability kind of scares me in a way because I, I don't like getting complacent and I don't like just settling for things. Um, there are some, like, I wouldn't really call them end goals, but there are some big goals that I've recently started to, you know, like new new goals that I've got for the brand. And one of them is, now that I've really gotten to this whole British made, like, manufacturing angle, I realise how much I want to actually not just do that, but, like, contribute to the growth of that in the industry and i've already had so many people asking me the last few days where where can i get my stuff made in the uk like, how have you found these people and the guys that i found they're marketing they don't market anywhere they don't promote themselves anywhere i just happened to come across them after searching for so long what i would really really love to do at some point in the next sort of decade hopefully is to build a factory in the uk um which i can probably try and get some sort of government funding for cuz it's creating jobs in the uk and it's paying you know more keeping more money in yeah. the economy and have that as like a riverguard manufacturing hub where I can have brands come in. They can get consultancy from me and they can get their pieces made in the UK while also having mine produced there. So I've got a much quicker turnaround time, much lower costs, you know, in the long run. But I'm also able to keep money coming in and help bring other brands to UK made. Um, that's definitely something that I'd really love to do. Um, the feasibility of that, I don't know yet. It's not something that I've really thought about too much. But that's like one of the big goals now is, is to not only be British made, but help bring other people
2: that kind of a thing. Bloody brilliant idea. When you think about from a customer perspective, right, and you were going down the route of British made design and manufacturing, how do you convey that to a customer in a way when they've got a myriad of choices they can buy from anyone? How does British made make a difference, do you think?
1: Well, this is the thing. So there wasn't anybody screaming, please, can someone make some bloody UK made cargoes? No one was like, you know, Running around London screaming that, but that's the reason that I think it's particularly important. Is it? Oh, I don't know how controversial I should really go with this. Um,
2: we can strip it out. Okay, I think you should go very controversial. Should I
1: put the tinfoil hat right on? Go for it. Okay, cool. Um,
2: we can do two takes where you've gone <coughs> one controversial. One okay, not. okay. So this one,
1: <laughs> I honestly believe that a lot of what um, we're told, like in terms of sustainability and what we the consumer should do the same people that fund a lot of the media that tell us that that it's our problem are the same people that have a lot of money tied up in oil companies and massive manufacturing firms that are fucking killing this planet but you know they're able to control the narrative that it's us as the consumer's job to spend more money and make more conscious choices without actually giving us any better ones to go with and after seeing um you know, so that puts us at a level where I don't think anybody should be lectured about sustainability in terms of clothing at a lower scale. Because if if fast fashion is such a problem, fucking legislate against it. Then make it harder for these companies to like Shein to just come into the industry and just rip it out. Like make that harder rather than telling us no. You can, they can operate here and they can offer you all these amazing prices, but you shouldn't buy them. I think that's wrong. I think that's I, I really dislike that whole approach. That's why I don't. I'm not going to lecture anyone about sustainability. And after seeing, um, do you guys know Pangea? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you see their press release they put out on New Year's? It was it was quite quite bleak. They basically did this whole whole thing saying, you know, we we wanted to make Pangea as if anyone who doesn't know it's like the leading company, like streetwear brand that's doing like sustainability. They have you know they have like science teams dedicated to developing new sustainable materials. And they came out and basically said, look, we when we made this company, we wanted to have a net positive impact on the world. We we didn't want to. You know, we wanted the world to be a better place for us existing. And we've been going for however many years now. And we still can't really derive if our experimental and, you know, sustainable fabrics are actually having that much of a difference. And that's coming from the leading firm in the industry. And at that point, I was like, there is something fundamentally wrong here with sustainability because we're told to buy a certain way by people. And, you know, obviously it makes sense to be more environmentally friendly. But, like, how much of that is the consumer's, you know, and so that was when I really started looking at sustainability. And I was like, okay, like, what does it really mean? You know, the definition of sustainable is something that can be kept up at a certain level without you know, diminishing. And so sustainable fabrics, okay, great. But, you know, bringing new product into the world is always going to have some environmental impact. So then you get sustainably made in China, which is when people go to China and they, you know, um, they use organic cotton and they get it made in China. You know, okay, so you've got the organic cotton, but the things with Chinese manufacturers, so much of it is swept under the carpet of how they're abusing their staff. And don't get me wrong, I want to get it out there before I I say all this. There are definitely Chinese manufacturers that are great, uh, that have, you know, that treat their workers properly. But that doesn't hide from the fact that Chinese labor laws are so unfavorable. And even then, a lot of manufacturers don't stick to those those, those laws. So at this point, I was like, right, so... The one thing I know I can control and I know I can have an impact on is British made. I know if I do it here, I can actually make sure that the people making the clothes, they're at least being treated okay. They're being paid properly. The materials I'm getting, I know where they're coming from. I know it's just about knowing because so much of it's smoke and mirrors. You know, I don't know who to trust. And this is someone who you know, like I'm very passionate about this and I've been researching it for years. But again, if someone has like a contrary opinion that's listening to the podcast right now, I'd please comment. I would really be interested to sort of see if I where I'm wrong. But that's kind of where I've come to with this. Um, and that's why I think British made, you know, at least we know that the people like we can control some elements of it being, ethically and responsibly made without totally. greenwashing if yeah I'm saying. totally
0: and the the responsibility piece i thought i actually really agree with what you have just said with regards to the, the narrative that's being pushed the responsibility piece you know as you begin to lift people out of like absolute poverty then they'll begin to care about things like the environment or dropping litter but when people haven't even got two pennies to rub together which you know in the uk is a little bit you know we don't live in poverty but people do live below the poverty line in the Especially uk these days. and they're not going to care about the environment and I wouldn't care about the environment in that position because I just need to put clothes on my kids to go to school or what have you. So I completely agree with you that the owner should not be on the the consumer or if it is, the consumer should have a limited number of sustainable goods to possibly buy from. Right. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: So yeah, if they, if they care, they would get rid of the shines of this world. But
1: this is, this is what I say to everyone when I'm kind of like, like on a personal level, trying to discuss with them, like, like why I'm spending so much more and so much more time doing UK stuff is you know would you rather have like an organic cotton hoodie um but it's been made in China and you have no idea if that person making it is still even alive if they've been paid for it or would you prefer like a standard cotton hoodie but you know the people that have made it are being paid well they're being looked after yep. uh, same quality you know and similar price points which one are you going to choose like you know what i mean so That's the angle I'm at now. And look, at the end of the day, some people don't fucking care. Like, don't get me wrong, I've got got, got an iPhone. Like, I can't really talk. Like, at the end of the day, I want to give people at least an alternative uh, in the market if they prefer to make some, you know, purchase decisions that are a little bit more conscious. Um,
0: And it's impossible to avoid um, it as well. If you wanted to be the perfect sustainable human being, you'd walk around naked all day. You wouldn't own a phone. All this equipment we're probably using here was made in the Far East. who knows what condition? We don't know, right? And yeah. that's, that's exactly what you said. So I don't know how you can be this perfect human being in this kind of global capitalist world now unless you literally, as I
2: said, walk around naked.
1: Yeah, we should all be monks. Let's just, <laughs> just all move to Nepal and yeah. just be monks, yeah.
2: So what can you do? How do you feel as a brand owner looking at other brands that are using buzzwords like organic and recycled um, and vegan? Chicken is so (laughs) stupid,
1: man. Like, who is making, like, fucking beef shoes you know what i mean, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean though And like jake cares well, a lot yeah. about
0: this. i am a vegan so but yeah i Do you know, i don't know what the word means in clothing because the definition of veganism is eliminating animal explo- exploitation as much as practicably practicably possible so what what does that mean in clothing terms you might be able to tell us
1: well i suppose yeah so like mm. i mean that was a stupid point i made beef yeah shoes, yeah I they are leather made- shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was you wrong, wrong that. animal <laughs> yeah um but I mean, in the sense that it's just like it's synthetic. It's just like it's just plastic, yeah. Which you know, which I I mean, I'm not I'm not vegan myself, but I can, I can see that it'd be a lot more appealing than a pair of like leather loafers, for example.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, but then again, that's not like then it's you know using plastics and all that sort of stuff. Like There's it's just a trade off, isn't it? Yeah, I think. And I admit, I've I, like, when I first got into it, before I really, like, just seeing that, like, you know, organic cotton uses 62% less water, you know, 88% less energy or whatever to, to harvest, like, I was preaching that shit when I started releasing it, you know, so maybe brands aren't, you know... I, I think they're important, but I do think that people use, like, put too much weight on them, like, a lot more, like, realistically, an organic cotton t-shirt versus a standard cotton t-shirt. Obviously, one's better, but both are still using and consuming resources. Both are going to have to be shipped halfway across the world. Carbon emissions, if you're looking at it from that angle. So, you know, I get why people do it, but if your only marketing strategy is to say your clothes are organic, something's wrong with the clothes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's not a point of difference anymore, and it's mm-hmm. not particularly very exciting or interesting. So,
0: just means no pesticides, doesn't it? Organic in fruit and vegetables, it does. But.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah, it's pretty much...
0: Well, solution is just buy used clothes, isn't it? There's enough clothes on the planet, probably now. I would say, and then we can just add a few more every year
2: when we need some top ups. But. Yeah,
1: just like like River God ones and the ones you're saying yeah, on yeah. the best day. just them. Um, <laughs> other than that, we're good. <laughs>
2: How do you square that? Like, um, you care you you obviously very clearly care about you know sustainability and uh, waste in the world and CO two being uh, being produced. How do you square that with someone that's creating new clothes?
1: Well, this is why I think the key, I would say, to sustainable clothing from like when I'm designing a piece of clothing, this is my like key thing from being sustainable, which which I am, is longevity. Is like how long is this piece going to be worn for? When's it going to be chucked in landfill if it ever will be? Because um, you know, even like I can't remember if I mentioned this on the last podcast or another one I've done, but you know, the most sustainable car in the world isn't a Tesla; it's some like Land Rover because the amount of time. That the lifespan of that Land Rover, it, three Teslas will be made and scrapped and made and scrapped whilst that Land Rover is still going, despite it using diesel engine. So, if we're taking that down to fashion, like I think if you're going to be sustainable, just use high quality materials, high quality craftsmanship, and you know there are ways which I do myself to actually you know add more longevity to the piece of clothing, you know with the patch hoodies and everything, and the NFC patches which i will talk about later but that whole angle is also just adding more longevity to the product in hand so it doesn't have to be thrown away it doesn't have to be a waste of materials um and then then i think once you've got that i'd say then focus on the humanitarian aspect because okay great it might be you know environmentally sustainable but if the person is making it's dying that's no longer sustainable by definition so focus on that longevity humanitarian and then if you're able to nail those that's when you should start looking at Um, environmentally friendly materials because i think those two are more personally uh and as a consumer myself as well that's what i would look for first rather than being told like because who actually knows if you're buying organic cotton t-shirt do you know how much better the world is because you're wearing that you don't but if you know your hoodie's going to last a long time you know it's not going to be in a satin landfill in a year if if it's been made by someone that's working safely you know that someone's going home to their you know their wife and kids and putting a decent meal on the table for them so yeah that's what i mean
0: yeah if the goal is that your items become sought after vintage items in years to come then you know that you've probably ticked that box to some degree Mm
1: -hmm. yeah that's why like with my my designing i don't a lot of what i do for other brands i do a lot of sort of trend-based designing you know like at the moment there's very like y2k cyberwave stuff um but for me that's why with river god i don't you can't really like put my designs in a certain era, um, because I, I I want them to be able to sort of you know you could look at the same piece I could release it in ten years, and it's like oh you know it's not like I'm not trying to talk like it's going to be like you know like I'm making it for the future, but at the same time like I don't they're they're simple enough that they can be worn in kind of any era without being chucked away because it's not trendy anymore kind of thing sure. so like even 10 years ago the stuff that everyone was wearing now like all this all the bape vintage bapes that people are wearing i was getting from charity shops for like 2 pounds like a year ago like like 8 years ago like it's so cyclical this stuff and if that's a lot of that stuff would have just been thrown away that people would be going crazy for now because it was so out of trend so i try and strike a balance between stuff that looks really good but isn't too like garish and too trendy
2: something you've talked about quite a lot is like building like an atmosphere around a brand You've mm-hmm. um, mentioned that with Stussy. You mentioned was there an, was there another uh, brand? That you Alias Cortez. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So when we're just discussing that, and you're thinking about like um, river gods and vintage stuff in ten years time, and people wanting to find it in you know vintage shops how are you building that atmosphere around the brand right now so that in 10 years time it becomes something which is sort of ubiquitous and people suddenly sort of you know have a massive passion for it because that surely as a designer that's something that's really difficult to sort of like even think about
1: yeah and I, I like I've been preaching this for a while but it's only recently I have really started to like get my teeth in and kind of work out okay what am I doing because I've like done like loads of parties and stuff and I've you know like had you know a lot of cool like real life experiences but that's only really like building that for the people that went to that event, you know. It's mm-hmm. not like so. This kind of plays into the the heritage stuff with the thistle one, the much more sort of simple, like quite you know, quite tonal pieces. As I said, I'm doing a lot where I'm going to be throwing that into British culture and doing quite a lot of pop culture references. Whether that's you know, and like the the stupid edited pictures that I did, that's like me testing the waters with that idea. That's not like a be all end all way of doing it, but like I want to do, yeah, like I like one idea I've had, like I want to do like promotional shots where we we're, like, recreating, like, iconic old British adverts, and you know the Cadbury one with the gorilla, that kind of thing. But, like, so it kind of embeds itself very much into British culture. So in 10 years' time, you know, you look back and you think, yeah, like, it just feels very synonymous with, like, you know, people look at a London bus and think, oh, like, they never got cargoes from a decade ago, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I believe, I mean, maybe, maybe that's a bit much of a reach, but that's what I'm trying to do with the heritage stuff is... So the brand is, yeah, it's broken down into two sections. The heritage stuff is, like which is now going to be the very much British-made, like, luxury angle, which isn't necessarily British-made luxury in the sense of, you know, just the manufacturing, but the whole, like, atmosphere is taking inspiration from British-made luxuries. The title collections, like, Identity, my first one, and the Disruption one, which I'll explain again more later, they uh, come from, the ideas behind this come from, like, what my, I'm doing, like kind of the forefront of my mindset at the time. Like identity it came about when I was struggling a lot with myself, identity and my design identity. So I did a lot of research into identity and then wanted to build a collection off the concept, not necessarily like my own personal struggles, but just the concept of identity. Disruption came about at a time where I was battling with, Business School about trying to change all their policies to allow students to do their own businesses for year abroads and stuff and placement years. I was was doing talks in front of, you know, a lot of educational um, representatives about curriculum changes that I think they should be doing. You know, I was doing pop-up stores in London when I was 19. You know, I I was about disrupting and trying to change the sort of status quo and like what, you know, people expect of 19-year-olds. And then now the collection disruption is kind of that concept, but now expressing like an artistic commentary on the kind of current scene of like ai and you know all the web 3 stuff that's kind of everyone's kind of not really sure how they feel about it yet so like that stuff is going to have a lot of artistic narrative that hopefully i mean the, the personal branding helps with this because you know people have you know a liking to me hopefully um and like it's like i i consider my approach to like um designing a collection very much like an artist would with, with an album like they'll take a certain emotion and a certain feeling and then they'll kind of spin off different ideas that relate to that specific emotion right throughout the tracks in an album um i mean a lot of it these days is just about you know like how many chains they've got how much money they've got but you know like a lot of like i'm very much into like indie and alt rock and that's a lot of what they do in that so for disruption again i'll talk more about later but there's going to be a lot of like cinematography around that collection that kind of hopefully people can relate to themselves as well and also kind of be sucked into like that side of things. So heritage stuff, the way I'm building the atmosphere is to just like some like some stupid pop culture references that everyone can kind of, you know, like, oh that's quite funny. Like I, I remember that. But then also they're wearing river call cargoes. Um but and then with the the title collections, which will come out less frequently, is much more about the artistic and sort of relatable concepts of the collection. So that's kind of what I'm doing. Whether it's gonna work or not, we don't know. But that's what I'm trying. So
2: when you're looking at these, like I, I would say that's a a pretty um common trope now in streetwear, where people are building sort of like capsules. They're mm-hmm. building like sort of like, as you say, sort of like albums, and then there are songs within that, and and that's how they're sort of marketing it. Where is that? Why is that approach successful, and where has it kind of come from?
1: It's also the same reason now a lot of artists just release singles is because it's so much easier to promote. A small group of things or one specific piece rather than a whole massive collection of different things where you've got to try and do other marketing especially from like the startup phase it's much easier to just promote a specific thing or a specific song so I think that's where it came from and I think it's interesting as well because it shows for me especially like you can really see how my designs mature a lot faster rather than doing loads in one go it's doing it at different stages you can see that my design ability and my manufacturing is getting a lot better uh, over time so that's kind of why I like it but speaking with other brand owners it's definitely just because it's and it's cheaper as well and you're not risking too much if you don't like the collection or the collection idea you've only wasted you know four pieces rather than like 15 for example so Mm. there's a few reasons I I prefer that model myself now as well because it's like doing folks although I'm releasing a few pieces Centering all the marketing around the cargoes and everything is, it's been so much easier than trying to promote like four t-shirts and three hoodies and six sets of patches all in one go as as a complete novice. Mm. So that's what that's what I'd say to that, yeah.
0: So Alexa, you've recently set up a new Instagram account, is that right? Um you've been using one for the blueprint, which is your podcast, which we'll talk about in a bit, but you've also almost sacrificed the existing River God one to for that right to then now create a new account. E- we've got account so yeah talk us through the the logic of that so to speak
1: so the thinking behind that was is that when i when i first started the brand um when i wasn't getting many sales in, i assumed it was a, a lack of direction in market like ad spend for example like it wasn't a problem with the branding or anything so i found this agency that were like yeah we can guarantee you like x amount of growth um sales all this bollocks right <laughs> <laughs> same old shite they all say What they did, they just paid for like a few thousand fake followers onto my page, which obviously did nothing for the brand. And At the time I was like, oh, this is sick until it's like, yeah, like Caroline underscore obviously Rignac 96 and, you know, there's nothing on the page. So I I spent more time removing the fake followers because like at first thought, okay, maybe it's better because, you know, it looks more trustworthy. I was like, okay with it for a little bit. And I thought, what have I even paid for here? Like, Nothing. Yeah, so I it's removed more.
0: It's a vanity metric.
1: Absolutely. Um, but it's it's actually backfires quite a lot. And I spoke about this in the first episode of the blueprint. The the way the Instagram algorithm works is that, you know, when you post something, it shows it to like a hundred of your followers and then two hundred and you know, depending on the, the reactions of those. And if your posts are being sent out to those dormant bot accounts, um, it stops it from being pushed to the people that actually want to see it and actually will then buy your products or like the the photo or whatever. And I was okay with that for a little while um, because I was selling a lot on TikTok, um, you know, Like, and I just kind of gave up on Instagram. So, you know, I had a, people were still following from TikTok to Instagram, but the engagement wasn't going up at all. Like I think, yes, it was on around seven and a half thousand followers after a few months of TikTok, which is obviously really nice, but my posts were getting like 10 likes and they were all new followers that wanted to see what I was doing and what I was creating. So just like, oh, so I just never really post anything. I didn't put much effort into the posts either because I was like, it's not I'm not going to do anything anyway. But with the new heritage stuff, because it's such a new level for me, like it's such a genuine look, like I, I don't think it's anymore, it's like a really good hoodie or like a really good pair of cargoes. Like it's the best pair of UK made cargo you can buy in the market. Like it, it's it's on its own level now. Like I'm not just trying to fit in, it's on its own. And so I paid for some, I, I bought in photographers this time to do like, and paid for a really nice studio to really sort of build that. And I, I kind of didn't want to just post that onto an empty feed. So like reels are still doing well on that page, but po- like pictures weren't. So I thought, you know what? Fuck it. Like the people like, and Johnny again um, via 16 made a really good point. He's like, look, the people that really fuck with river God, they will go out of their way to find the new page. If you tell them where to go, mm. which is true. Like I've, I've only had it for like a few days and it's on like 400 followers plus already, which is, you know, it's, it's not what it was, but, Across all other platforms, I have, you know, around 50,000 followers. Like, I'm not sweating it, really. Um, but that page marked the new sort of direction I'm going, the whole British made angle, the much high-quality content, much high-quality clothing. So I wanted to make a new page for that, but I didn't want to just completely throw away um, the other page that I'd spent a lot of money on adverts for. I had a lot of following on there for, like, a lot of good DMs and stuff with people. Um, so I thought, you know what, like, I wanted to make a Blueprint account anyway because people really have loved the first couple episodes I've done so I just just changed it to that and it it seems to be the right decision so far because I can just post because I didn't the the clips from that I couldn't really work into my Instagram feed it didn't really work but now it's got its own page I don't mind it looking a bit different and having its own kind of unique style now so and it also means I've now got three different pages to be recycling content onto like when I post something on the Blueprint page, I can be reposting it on my personal, on the River God page. When I post on River God, I can put it on my personal. So it's just being more in people's faces now if, they follow, if they're if they really into what I'm doing. So yeah, I'm kind of kind of glad that it ended up this way.
2: We've got a lot of uh, young brands that are following us and they're pretty much where you're at now. They probably have less than a thousand followers. They've just started off and they're just posting content on their own accounts. And having just done it at the moment, what would your advice be to someone that was like, just created a brand, had the first set of photography and also then wanted to create their own social channels, what would your advice be to like grow it? Because you've been through that process of like Mm -hmm. working with an agency, hasn't worked, you know, doing your own story style content, doing photos, doing reels, doing everything. What would you say?
1: So Instagram is still something that I haven't quite cracked yet. And I don't want to, again, I don't want to be like telling people what to do exactly when I'm still still working out myself. what, What I've found has been, yeah, really good. It's just is is to make obviously make sure the content is really high end. It's really nice. Don't bombard people. Don't post all the time because people are just going to get sick of it. um I'd say definitely do do some form of giveaway that involves tagging people. Like it's the oldest fucking social media trick in the book. But like I made the page um had twenty followers or something. I did the giveaway post and it had like over a hundred entries already on the page. where it's tagging three people, showing to your story. So like it's if the product is good, people will share, you know, and, and like make sure that if you've got a, a personal account, you need to get you and your mates promoting it. it you know, when it comes to these things, like I even put on my like Snapchat story or whatever, like, sorry to be begging again, guys, but like, can you please just share this for me? Because I, I need to get some reach on this. I need to get my foot in again. Um, hashtags, uh, they're still like, you know, they work. They're not like, they're not great, but uh, as, as they used to be, but they're still always something you should incorporate. Um, with stories as well like try and have more interactive stories as well like you know like use the instagram have given you so many tools these days you know like like polls questions that you can just use to engage the audience like you kind of needs the first post like of the day so you know like when you when you the, the, the stories are 24 hours you want the first one within that 24 hour period to be interactive because if it's just something people just skip past it won't send it out to other people as well so i'd say that i mean yeah I, uh, just try and make content that people are going to share as well. Like that, that stupid post I've been talking about the one where I was like photoshopping like David Brent wearing the cargoes. Like it's something that people will share to just ke- keep getting the page out there. Like I'm not saying to everyone do that, but you know, find your own sort of even like I think these days, you know, just fucking make memes or whatever, like make jokey posts. Like who do you think you are? <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? Like that's something that I for so long was scared to do because I was like, but luxury brands don't do that. Yeah. It's like so fucking what? So you laugh like, Just because people you're into spending more money on higher end clothing doesn't mean you like you don't like to have a laugh about what you know. So, don't be afraid to just like post some just funny shit as as long as it's relevant to your brand. Like if if I was just to start posting like random cat videos, like (laughs) what would be the point in that? You know, like I wouldn't gain any followers because it's not relevant to what I'm trying to sell, and it's also like it's not. But like doing the stupid like British parody stuff. Like it is related to the British angle of the products and it's got the products in the pictures. So just, yeah, just try and f- make stuff that people are going to want to share on their story. Um, because I, oh, and, oh, I, I don't know how I've got reels. I, honestly, these days I am more of a reels man than TikTok. Uh, I, really, I, I have, I've fallen off like on TikTok so hard. Like my, it's happened to a lot of people as well. I see pages with millions of followers. They get like a thousand views per video that's what I'm getting on average now before then the content that I was making now I've like I'd planned the videos for the cargoes months ago I had the scripts written months ago you know waiting to record them when they came out um and had all the studio stuff done but videos that I genuinely believe should have around 80 to 100k views minimum based on my previous content I've got like 3000 views max like it, it it's the views have just fallen off a cliff at like the, probably the worst possible time for me because i was getting views when i wasn't even selling anything just by making a quick video posting it three hundred thousand views but like i'm not saying anything so it's quite pointless mm. um but reels i'm 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 posting a lot on my personal page now i'm doing river god reels i'm doing blueprint reels they're getting far more reach than my um tiktoks are so i definitely say to people get on the real game it literally can be exactly the same as your tiktok content like Add it to all in Premiere Pro, save it as an MP4, post it on TikTok with like the sort of algorithm stuff on there, post it on Instagram with a lot of hashtags and like you set the topics now. Have you seen on Reels? Yeah. Set them as as relevant. You want to, because like Instagram's algorithm isn't as strong as TikTok, so you kind of need to tell it a bit more about what you, your content actually is. Yeah. Um, and I'd say definitely make sure your, your, your profile is set up as like a business account or at least a professional account. So you've got your insights. You know, if you've posted something, you know, let's say you post something that's got a thousand like, people have seen the, the pictures, but only like 20 have liked it, then, you know, you at least know you're not posting the right thing. So I don't think there's a one size fits all thing, but there are some things that I've been working on myself after doing it for two years. that I, Well, nearly two years that I would say is what my strategy is for trying to build this page back up again. So
2: obviously I've got a bit of a cheat
1: code because I've, I can just promote it on my channel. <laughs> yeah, you know you've I mean? got
2: all these followers elsewhere. Not yeah. bragging, humble brag. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about like brands, um putting like their own personality their personal personality into the content like i think for example like i've always thought like jake and i are big football fans like why can we not be talking about football on a vest but then there isn't like a direct connection between football and the the clothes we sell unless you cla- unless you uh, class bloke core is uh <laughs> as a as a connection which you know it could be it's a loose connection yeah, yeah we've
0: we've tried to humanize it a little bit of you know of vest day when where we can big sporting events are great for engagement for mm. sure you know boxing fights or big football matches and it just kind of lets kind of reminds people oh there's actually some genuine human beings sitting behind these Instagram accounts that are just going about their normal Sundays like everyone else.
2: I think that's the biggest thing that actually I regret not doing sooner. Because you, when you create a brand, you think, oh, I'm creating a business and it's professional and I need to convey this sort of thing. I need to, um, you know, be cool and I need to be all these other things. Right. When really, I mean, I think for certain brands that kind of has to exist because there's like an atmosphere, like you always say, around the brands and they've got this sort of like um, style and aesthetic that they can't sort of break. But I think for a lot of brands, especially when you're first starting, if you convey yourself as a personality, and talk about what you're passionate in, you're going to find other people that share that passion. It's as simple as that. And Absolutely. let's be honest, like, yeah, we're in the clothing industry, but like, not every not everyone is thinking about clothes 24-7. You know, they've got other interests.
1: This is what I think Cortez is nailing right now. Like, you don't wear a pair of like cargo pants to play football. Um, but you know, in their in their Nike promo ad, have you seen the, the the video they did? Yeah. Like having Phil Foden do the the like iconic Ronaldinho like parody like. It. Oh, it's, it's brilliant. Good. I think it's one of my favourite adverts ever. I think it's a genius piece of content. Um but again, like it's linking that to the British culture, you know, like it's a it's a very iconic football video of Ronaldinho doing that fake crossbar challenge for Nike like years ago. Like it's got millions and millions of views on YouTube, like parodying that with Phil Foden who's you know, a lot of people consider him to be like, you know, one of the best English players at the moment. So I think he's got a really good balance with it now and doing like the crossbar challenge, but having to wear some chunky trainers to do it. Like I thought that was really, really, really smart. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where like, again, it's not, there's not really, it's not a science. It's definitely an art, this kind of thing. Um, and some brands get it very wrong. Um, do you guys know the brand Braindead?
2: I don't know. No, I don't know. Uh,
1: they're, they're an American brand. Um I get a lot of my inspiration from. I think they're a really, really awesome brand. But recently they've tried to do stuff like this. Mm. And they, you know, you get those like those like parody videos. Well, they're not like really parody videos, but there's videos like where you get like from like ages ago. You get like a, like a really hot knife and they'd cut through things. Like the, the satisfying videos. Yeah. They tried to do some of those recently for their new like outdoor like trainers. They're doing, I think, with like Merrill or someone, um, where they're like destroying the trainers. They're like putting them in liquid nitrogen and they're oh, setting wow. them on fire. But their target consumers are very sustainability focused oh, no. so all the comments were like what the fuck are you doing you know you're wasting resources here so there's an example where it, it can backfire if, if you try and play too hard into that we go down the wrong direction with it i mean destroying you know clothing is kind of, is always gonna piss people off especially if your target audience are sustainability people but i think yeah cortez they're smashing it right now in terms of cultural references that's i think probably partly where my inspiration from doing more of that myself is as well is from it's from what they're doing. Um, yeah, I definitely think injecting personality into it is something that, as I said, like I, I don't. I, I'm so tired of being the robotic brand guy now on TikTok. Like, when I get all these DMs, I, I struggle to reply to a lot of them because I don't really feel like the person they're messaging. If you know what I mean, like I just I'm sat there fucking eating some fucking Iceland pizza like in, <laughs> in, in, in a dressing gown. You know what I mean? Like I don't feel like this big brand consultant. Then, so now I'm gonna start like. Just trying to take the piss a bit more than what I'm doing. Like, I, I don't, I've got my foot in the door now. People know what I'm about. You know, obviously not as many people as I'd like just yet, but you know, I, I've, I've sold a lot of pieces now and people are really in, interested in what I've got coming next. But I'm at a level where I, I don't feel like I have to try and copy what other brands are doing. I don't have to try and fit in. I don't have to play by certain rules. I'm just going to enjoy just being myself through my clothes. So I, I think it just it makes it a lot more fun as well. Like, it just makes it a lot more engaging to be. Following a brand that is like posting more, just shit outside of what they're completely trying to flog
2: completely. you. Yeah. Brands these days, one they can have their own personality, but they often need like a face to the brand. You you do it with your own page. There are counts of other examples like clinic at, at uh, Cortez. You've got George Heaton for Represent. There's so many other examples. There's you could do that with quite a lot of streetwear brands at the moment. Mm. Do you think? That it's almost impossible these days to be a silent founder of a streetwear brand.
1: I think you can only do it if you're you are incredibly artistically gifted. If there doesn't need to be any more conversation or any more personality outside of what you can convey in your products. And when I say exceptional, like I mean like proper, proper, like you know generational level almost. Like there's certain brands that do that really well. Um, like for example that that um brand that sort of opium style brand the no face studios that are quite quite big at the moment their pieces are just so incredibly well designed and well made that you don't need someone talking to you about it you just see it and you're like fuck this is beautiful well, I, also it's conveyed through like really high-end photography like it's almost a personality comes through in the content of you know that that kind of balance sure. um but I think it's definitely a difficult one because a lot of people that come to me that are asking for advice that want to do what I do uh, with a personal branding either don't feel confident enough or feel like they're too young or they wouldn't really you know they don't really know what to say like a lot of people come to me saying oh, I love the way that you like talk about your clothes and to me I don't think I'm really doing anything that I'm just literally just saying what I've told the manufacturer to make like I find it I don't really know how to teach this kind of thing because I don't really get what I'm doing that's Interesting, I'm just talking. Um, but I think, yeah, you can look at the top brands at the moment, the ones that have been really coming through the last few years, Mm. and you know, your initial fan base will come a lot from the actual designs themselves. But but to really maintain that, is you, I I do think, incorporating the journey is such a powerful tool. Like, storytelling at the end of the day, people don't talk in facts, you talk in stories, you know. And if you can create stories that get people talking, you know, you can tell like telling your mate, oh yeah, this brand's done this and that sort of stuff. Like it's a, it's far more engaging and generates far more like conversation and affinity to the brand if you've got a story to tell alongside the products. Mm. If it's just the products, okay, a cool outfit here, that's kind of the end of the conversation. If like, yeah, so I got this piece, for example, the cargos. yeah, so the guy, you know, he, he went all around the UK to get the different materials for it and he's crafted them all and put this together. He's gone through several samples that I've seen online, you know, and this is how he marketed them hit some stupid memes he made. You know, that's <laughs> a lot more than just being like, oh, those cargos are sick, yeah. you know. And don't, like, end of the day, like, both models work. Um, It's just about how you do them. Yeah. You know, like, some people may be the most charismatic and amazing person, but they just don't know how to relate to their audience and therefore the audience aren't interested in the products they're trying to sell. Mm. But then you may get, you know, like, really talented artists that make incredible pieces, but they just... Again, they just don't really know how to go about posting it online and getting sales and don't on the business side. So again, it's one of those things where these I'm really learning that there there's it's very much not about a one size fits all, but very much about your own the authenticity of your personal approach, whether that's you being out there or you having a, a like an amazing talent. So
2: when you first heard of Represent, did you hear about the brand, or did you know George before George first?
0: Yeah, so, uh, which is what Just the way with I thought,
2: social media. Yeah, yeah, but you found your way into that that brand ecosystem via that person who is like Thanks. this ultimate creator, exactly, and it has a lifestyle that you find interesting,
0: exactly. And I may not have found it otherwise unless I saw it in the shops or if I got hit with an ad on Instagram. So. Yeah, it's really interesting now, isn't it? If people are setting off to create a brand now, they're going into it full well, knowing that unless I'm a generational artist, like you said a minute ago, I'm going to have to split my focus on the design and also the the storytelling and the the tick tocking and all the rest of it, which I don't know if that's taught in business school now, especially from a clothing. Well actually from a lot of brand, not just even streetwear now. Even if you're an electrician these days, people are setting up TikTok <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> accounts because it's beneficial for creating you more business. Like so yeah, it's almost like a new strand of of what people need to do when they create a business now. To set your accounts up, you know, design your product, set up your TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> get a microphone.
1: I would say that to people that are listening. Uh, by storytelling, I don't necessarily just mean like like I do, just sat in my flat talking to a camera. You know that can be done through any kind of means. That can be done through fucking poetry if you want. You know <laughs> it can, it can be done in any kind of format. It's just that storytelling in, in itself is such a powerful tool that you know finding your own way of telling that story is almost just as interesting as the story is itself. So I, I say to people, don't like don't get like bogged down if you're if you're not if you're too shy to to talk in front of a camera or if you don't feel like you're, you've got enough bounce and you're, you know, just as long as you find a way to communicate more than just the products, I think you are doing something right.
2: Yeah, just be yourself. Ultimately, like the reason why Jake came across George Heaton was because he was like this ultra, ultra jacked guy doing these yeah. crazy CrossFit workouts and we were interested we're into in CrossFit at yeah, the time, yeah, yeah. And we were interested in these workouts. Like that is one side of it. But then also I would say to creators like um or people that were interested in starting their own brand, maybe just take another one of your interests. Like think about if you're into gaming why not create your brand around a gaming um, audience and a gaming yeah. interest? Like we have a brand on a right now at Eranogo who are completely around like 90s nostalgia exactly. of gaming memes pretty exactly. much.
0: And then people come to you and they find, I don't know, be it your gaming content or your DJ content. And then they go, well, this guy wears some cool clothes as well. And I like to wear clothes most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a nice segue into it. You know, people aren't only interested in clothes. You know, it's one of their probably smaller interests. You know, for most people, no. they're more interested in other things. And
2: and you've nailed it because ultimately, what you your your talent, your interest is actually the passion that you have for streetwear. And that that is and and I think you do yourself a disservice when you say I'm a robot, I'm monotonous, blah blah blah. I think it's more about you are actually convey a lot of information in quite in a very short time frame so it's very difficult to go hi everyone i'm alexia i'm doing this like I, you know you've just got to go straight to the point and go right i'm going to do basically value. a mini essay yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. i'm giving someone a piece of value over 60 seconds and that is super hard and and i think this is what this is why now i'm sort of thinking for us is like we've got to portray more of our personality in in our content and i suppose that's the beauty of doing these in that we can sort of you know share our personality but it's also just like yeah, just take a passion point that you love and just make it something that, that you... That it goes passionate. so much
1: further than that, though. Um, like, that's, like, the, the best way to start. But what I've now come to realise, and the way that my mindset's working with recently, now that I've actually got... But now that I'm playing on this whole British angle and, like, sort of tongue-in-cheek kind of aspect of that, you can build... That's, that's where the atmosphere comes from. You know you, you, you know, you can design stuff catered towards, like, gaming, you know, for example and you get people that are into gaming buying your stuff, but then it means you can host gaming tournaments, you can host real-life events or, like, parties and stuff that are all related to that, that really hammer home what your brand is about. Like, for example, for the British stuff, you know, I could do a fucking tea and crumpet morning or something, you know what I mean? Like, probably will do that to just because it's fucking stupid, but you know what I mean? Like, it gives you that sort of springboard to propel, like, the sort of atmosphere, and then you can kind of just... Yeah, I I just people I'm link the nerd. two in
0: the future as well. They'll 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 go to their tea and crumpet mornings and then they'll be like, "Ah, oh, remember when I went to the River called one? <laughs> yeah. Are they one and the same thing now?" Yeah, But the, no, it does. It makes people think in the future when they come across some kind of cultural reference, "Ah, oh, that brand was placed there as well."
1: Yeah. Um a, a really interesting just me going to be nerding out for a minute now. Um so like in terms of association, it's people don't really realize how powerful it is um it's like linking your product to something else. And a really interesting uh, example I read about. So, this was in like this is Kit Kat, by the way. I'm not talking about clothes now. I think this was like 2005 or whatever. You know, they'd have to the make you know have a break Kit Kat things. Their sales were like falling behind that of the other, I think Nestlé products. So they got this new marketing person in, and they basically said, you know, in all of the adverts, let's have the adverts end with a Kit Kat next to a cup of coffee because then people will start associating coffee and having a break, having a Kit Kat and they found that KitKat sales across the US at uh, like coffee times like break times like shot up. Well, wow. people saw coffee, they thought of KitKat because it was so hammered down that's it doesn't cost anything to do. That's just simple, isn't it? Just putting things together because they they're relevant, you know, they you have them at the same time, but literally just having them next to each other exposed to you it it just triggers in your head. So that's why I think doing these kind of like real life events and like real life cultural references if you can do it enough, people will be thinking of you when you're not even anywhere near them. If you know what I mean? <laughs> like you, so,
2: you did a piece of content that was stop marketing, start innovating. Yeah, right. And I found that really interesting. Um, can you explain to Jake what what that what that piece was all about? So that exact
1: phrase was a little bit of a bullshitty hook in the sense that, like, I knew it <laughs> grab attention, but like, kind of for the message I was saying. But these days, like. What I've found through my when I'm really like evaluating what's worked for me uh, in terms of my advertising campaigns, all this sort of stuff, is that um, people that make genuinely like really original products and then just post them on like TikTok and Reels, they get access to hundreds of thousands, millions of views just because they've been really creative. And instead of seeing like marketing, like as a budget that you know, let's say we make a T-shirt, we spend five grand on adverts. Take that five grand and create something genuinely really unique and interesting. Use the organic channels you get on, like, um, you know, again, Reels, Instagram, YouTube, Shorts, whatever. Um, and it it should do the talking for you, pretty much. Like, if you can't do that, then I don't think you're really going to have much strength building a brand. Like, you can make cool products, but I think that's where the branding comes in, is when you can really convey like that, so that's m- my my sort of perspective because I've had over two million views for free on, on the um the patch um wow. patch hoodies. Uh, like and I don't even think they're particularly innovative. But like if I was to pay for that, that would have cost me like twenty thirty grand in Facebook ads uh, for that that reach yeah, and, and that's did, a and it would warm, have
2: been a worse audience than the organic ones. Yeah, exactly.
1: yeah, and it's a cold audience that don't want to be seeing the advert. So that's why I mean like stop marketing, start innovating. In the sense that I'm not saying don't market your products. I'm just saying like just kind of reframe budgeting and think about you know yeah like spend spend more time making genuinely interesting things that people are going to talk about naturally rather than just trying to copy like a line that i used in a video that someone shared on their story and quoted me on is that if you're just gonna like copy other brands what they're doing and slap an advert on the top the the furthest you can get is still behind those brands because we're doing is trying to Mm -hmm. copy them so um it's worked for me and that's why I've been building a lot more on trying to and I said to you in, in the first in the first podcast is that one thing with River God is like I'm always committed to trying to innovate and not just be complacent and keep trying to build and change what I've got because it's also the best form of marketing. It gets people talking. Um like the amount of shares I've had on my videos where I'm just in my room just showing off a product or ripping a bit of Velcro off a hoodie, like it's ridiculous. You can't generate that through paid media. It's just it's just paid media versus earned media. Like it's 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 nothing particularly new but it's something that a lot of people I feel like should hear if they're trying to get into the industry especially
0: top of funnel content to get people in maybe then use the paid to mop up the warmer people that Mm. need a couple of little nudges to to maybe get over the line
2: I think this is something you've taught me though is almost like reframing the way you think about marketing for me, like, um, I was always focused on, like, building out audiences and getting the strategy right for the marketing, actually just even within, like, paid social. Like, we spent a lot of time researching that and thinking about it and doing experiments and spending money. And I found that really... I found that quite, like, a um, demoralising process, actually, because, yeah. because really, you don't really build affinity with anyone. You're always going to be on that conveyor belt of paying. And it was a lesson you sort of taught me and it was going if you reframe that initial um piece that you do around the creative you can get far more interest and views even on your pay stuff so what you were saying isn't like like you say it wasn't saying don't market it was saying when you do do it think of it from just a consumer perspective from a creative angle and then you can get people down the funnel from there and i found that sort of, sort of really interesting and i think a lot of other brands would go uh, I don't have a clue how to do paid, and maybe what Alexi's advice is is to go think about the actual creative first, experiment on organic, mm-hmm. see what does performs well, think about what hooks perform well, and then you can go, then you can translate that yeah. into the paid. Totally, maybe and, just use it to retarget. Yeah, and then the and then the the paid will be more successful. I think that's the that's the key thing is like people constantly go. Oh, I just need to spend more money. I just need to spend more money. I need to get out to different audience. I need to invest in Facebook ads. I need to invest in YouTube. I need to invest in all these things and pay, 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 pay. When really, what we should be doing is thinking: How can I come up with the best creative that gets people in from the start?
1: Yeah, because do you do either of you go onto Instagram just to look at the adverts? Like, no one, no one likes adverts. No, you know, how many times have you had an advert for a hoodie and you'd be like, oh, I need to send this to everyone that I know. Yeah, but how many times have you, you know have you seen an interesting TikTok or a reel? You're like, hold oh, on, this is fucking really sick that you just sent to people. Like fifty, something like McKinsey. I've in the videos where McKinsey, the biggest consultancy firm in the world, their estimation is that twenty to fifty percent of all purchase decisions come from, uh, like just a conversation about a product, just someone saying. And there's also as well, telling one person about a product that you've bought can the way that it like I don't know the exact phrasing of this, but that within a year that will lead to forty thousand new people hearing about your product if it's a positive thing. That's what it can lead to in a year. Wow, just just one conversation, and rather than focusing on all these like you know, buzzwords like, you know, like ROI on, on, you know, like return on ad spend, all that sort of stuff. I think now that I'm like, I'm not, I think it's, it's different. Like if you're there to just make money, like, like quick money, I, I get why you'd be investing into adverts, try and get as many reaches and stuff. But because I'm trying to build like a genuine brand for me, it's about actually creating like remarkable products that people want to share people want to talk about because it's interesting Uh, i've read so many books the last few months when i should be doing uni work uh, about (laughs) word of mouth marketing and understanding like it from like a traditional perspective and like a new age perspective with like you know all these fucking tools we have now to generate stuff
2: so yeah i want to go back to we've talked about you as your personal brand we've talked about the content that you produce i want to go back to to river god and talk about um some of the collections that you're working on and and you've got coming up we've just been talking about innovation and and innovation within marketing you're really innovative in the products you create and i remember you telling us about this concept that you had around using nfc within uh the clothes you produce Mm -hmm. you've done that in a collection that you're that you've just released right we're about to
1: this will be coming out in uh so uh, manufacturing starting in april and this is the first time i'm actually publicly talking about this um but yeah exclusive jake exclusive, exclusive. come yeah. on um but so the new so the patches on the, on the, on the hoodies like the, you know I, I do the hoodies that have switchable patches on so you can buy the same hoodie with different designs different styles and you know the whole that was very much built on the on you know the longevity of the hoodie and having that last for a long time because you're constantly changing the designs on each season but then i thought you know the patches they get discarded well they hopefully wouldn't they'd be part of a collection but you know at the same time the What's the use? Mm. They can't be updated, um, and I was really sitting down, and this actually came from—I'm um, not going to name drop the brand, but I came across a brand through Instagram adverts that is an exact rip off of River Gods, but it's, it's it's for kids. It's like a kids version with like little characters and stuff on the patches, and I thought, you know, I, I thought, mate, you know, maybe they had the idea to do switchable patches. You know, it's not particularly like out there, it's not wild or anything, but then I found that they did the same little branding tag on the sleeve they have the exact same colors. They have an, an ecru double zip oversized hoodie for a kid.
2: <laughs> this That's is fun. really I mean? Yeah. So when you search
1: for my hoodies, there's rank underneath mine, which Wait, I find a, nice. again, weird. That's a weird angle because like, who's, you know, who's looking to search for like river God hoodies and then buy a kid's one, you know? Um, but, I was fine with that. Like, at first, I thought, oh, you know, that's quite fun. I like just commented on their post. Like, oh, this is such an original idea. Congrats. You know, because <laughs> they obviously knew where it came from. Like, using yeah. all the, like, it was all like GOTS certified made in Turkey. Like, it was like literally carbon copies of my product, but for kids.
2: Was it the same supplier?
1: I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, 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 they never applied to my DMs. <laughs> but I wasn't, I wasn't offended. Like, I was like, this is quite cool. It's quite cute. because I, I was only annoyed because I wanted to do it for kids at some point as well. But like, uh, because my little cousins love them. Mm. But, um, at that point, then they started doing, reels that were a bit like mine but they were saying like have you ever seen this idea before this is our own original idea and i was like oh that fuck that like that's not <laughs> fair so instead of getting pissed off at them i was like okay clearly my idea is too replicable like this is no longer innovative other people can just copy it like that so i spent a long time thinking what can i do to genuinely make the products like a lot more interesting and then that's when i've had the idea and i spoke to you about it when i first had the idea and it's something that i genuinely think is going to make so much noise this year if i can get you know two million views on just a bit of fabric on a hoodie. Like imagine now that they, they contain near-field communication, which is the same technology you get in contactless cards. So when you hold your phone near it, you get a little ping and it takes you to a page. Uh and each patch will have its own, you know, dedicated experience and page and stuff. But on the version one, uh it's gonna have so you scan it, um, and it's got uh a picture of the patches, the collection it's it's part of, uh the inspiration behind it, like the story behind the design uh the manufacturing details where it's been made uh you know like what it's made out of and the video of it being manufactured my personal favorite part which i think people are gonna are gonna enjoy the most is the is the styling feed where when people post and tag the brand where they're wearing um like an outfit with that specific patch on nice. it gets added into the patch so you can scan your phone for some outfit inspiration you can go out with your mates and be like look guys look hold your phone near my hoodie i'm gonna i'm on here you know um so for me it's a great way of incentivizing you know user generated content but it's also like it's hard to build a community with luxury brands because you know a lot of luxury brands like to have this really sort of snobby exclusive image i think this is a way of completely bringing it down like um and it's also going to have passwords for new drops and stuff so the first variation is coming out of part of the disruption collection that'll be for each patch that comes out which will be a staggered release but I, I, like this idea this is just the first version right? we've got so many ideas what we can do with it you know we spoke about incorporating some sort of referral mm. um, uh, things like one idea I want to do is with, work with artists on their like album rollouts where it will have like inspi- you know the artwork will be inspired by their album but it will have like unreleased songs that you can only hear if you've got the patches Uh, We're even talking about, if you want to do do the parties and stuff, using Mm. the patches as tickets, you scan at the door and you can just go in for free. Like this has now given me like a complete blank canvas to constantly innovate it. So when you buy a set of patches, I can say with the hoodie, when you buy a hoodie, you know, it's going to get more valuable the longer you have it. Same with the patches now. The longer you have a set of patches, the more features that get added to them uh, as I learn and develop and code more stuff. So I'm so excited to get these out. And it's like, I'm so bad at keeping things a secret and (laughs) not posting about this has been driving me crazy. (laughs) Because I've been working on this for like three months now, which yeah, is a yeah. long time. Wow. Um, but so the so this is going to be coming out as part of the disruption collection. It, it ties in quite nicely, um, you know, incorporating tech, and they can be washed as well. That it's literally such oh, simple, wow. te- it's such simple technology. What do, um, they,
0: what do they look like? Little <sighs> chips? Are they chips or are they? Bits yeah, they're of like see through and
1: white. Yeah, they're like little, they're little, um, little chips. I mean, I I, I don't see them because they're put inside the patches. Um, like you, you can't, they don't look any different and the best thing for the customer is they're not going to be any more expensive to buy for the customer. I'm keeping it at the same price because it, it's, it's just it's just a natural evolution really. Mm. So they're coming out, the way I'm, I'm, I'm framing the collection, so disruption, it's going to be set down into three acts. Um, it's going to be like a sort of short narrative that follows like, so I'm not going to, I'm only going to talk about the first one now. It's all planned and all ready to go. Mm. I'm just going to talk about the first one and then the other ones will come out as they come out. But the first act is going to be called the innovator. And it's about how these days everyone has so many tool, like access to ridiculous amounts of artificial intelligence and technology that anyone, like it's kind of democratized innovation and disruption now. Like it's not just like an elite group of people that have access to keep just pumping out new products and ideas. Like anyone that's got a mobile phone and internet access these days can find all the tools they need to bring a really creative idea to the world. So that's kind of the narrative of the first one. Uh, and it's gonna kind of follow through like innovator through to like everyone coming together to try and build this like utopian like digital world, and then it'll it will close off at the third act will be about how like innovation has gone too far and what would happen if innovation goes too far like what like in terms of AI and all that sort of stuff like what would our lives look like uh, and that'll be set a bit in the future so i'm gonna do those three short films for each one and it'll have like one t shirt and one patch set for each each um each act kind of thing because that's what I mean this this stuff is like a lot more of an artistic commentary about disruption as a whole whether it's good is it good is it bad you know um how accessible is it all this sort of stuff so that's what's coming out then I'm also doing as well as part of the innovator I'm going to be making these uh I think so I mean uh, this is not a confirmed idea it depends on budget and stuff but I wanted to get some um USBs made up, some RiverGuard USB sticks and some, like, really, like, fancy packaging for them. And uh, basically on that USB, put, like, a like a sort of 12-step guide to, like, making, like, like, a really solid creative business, but not the kind of shit you get on, like, TikTok. Like, not the sort of advice I give on TikTok, like, the stuff that I give to my paid clients, like, stuff that's, like, really, really, like, properly, like, psychological and all that sort of stuff. And have that as, like like a free like gift that you get with the innovator patches or the innovator t-shirt that you get like the tools to then also start seriously building a creative business yourself as well so that's the first act it's subject to change but that's what i really want to get out first the designs are really nice for that as well it's like the t- shirt i haven't the patches aren't finished yet but the t shirt is like um it's got like some like glitchy logo at the top and it's got like this this Oh yeah, I'm also using AI to generate everything. Uh, in terms of like scripts, uh, audio, the designs. I mean, they're not like I say they're AI generated. I use it as like a reference point. Like I'll put like a conceptual idea in, have a look at Dali's made, and then I'll just like build how I'd normally build a design in my style, but using that as a reference image. Um, as like another commentary on disruption. Uh, it's not because I'm lazy. Mm. <laughs> it's because I'm I'm just seeing what how far it can go. You know what you can do with it. So. yeah, the first design is like kind of inspired by the originally the innovator was going to be like a crowd uh, with like one person, like, like, you know, like circle, like crossed out kind of thing. But I thought that doesn't really work with a narrative. So it's just a crowd Mm -hmm. of people. And you get loads of t-shirts now and designs where it's like a crowd with one person standing out. Like it's quite a common trope in streetwear at the moment. Mm -hmm. So mine's just a crowd, but no one looks any different. It's the whole point of anyone can be the innovator. Anyone can be this, this kind of person now. So it's going to be a, a graft getting all the content and short films made for this but i think in combination with the reach that i can get from the new patches um bringing that to people seeing the sort of newer artistic direction i think it's going to be a really interesting year um Mm. for the brand so i can definitely say compared to when we spoke last time i'm a lot more sort of confident and excited about what's coming next um cargo drop sunday (laughs) (laughs)
0: amazing yeah that's awesome, mate. It sounds like you've got a lot of um, tech work to do, which we won't uh, discuss here. But I'll discuss it with you another time. I'd love to know how you're fulfilling all of that, like technology wise. And yeah, sounds awesome. Mm.
2: The thing that I like the most about that is the ability to when you're in a pub, someone goes, "Oh, I really like your uh, your hoodie." Can you buy from the from the NFC?
1: Um, yeah, yeah. So it's got a link to so the the actual thing is all separate. It's not part of the River God website or anything. Yeah. But when you scan it at the bottom, it's got uh, it's got like two icons. One of them takes you directly to the River God website, which will take you to the product um to buy. The other one's just the Instagram. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, like, I'm trying to build like the ultimate word of mouth like <laughs> nice. like thing that you want to talk about and show off to your mates, you know? Because I always, whenever I make anything for the brand, I think, what would I want as a consumer? What would be really cool? And now I'm at a scale, where I can actually start doing these quite like innovative and new ideas um to to be even more customer centric. I just can't wait for people to see it and have it in person, and you know, see what they do with it. Because I imagine, you know, it's always these sorts of things. You know, I have one idea of what people are gonna how people can use it. What they're gonna show people and stuff. But then, actually, in actual fact, people just fucking program their own shit and hack them. All, you
2: know. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think I think uh, yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting to see what people hack <laughs> into your into your teas. Very interesting, especially when they end up in a vintage clothes store. Like <laughs> we we'll see where it goes. But I I love that fact because because ultimately, especially with blokes at the moment, like. You'll say, "Oh, I really like that T-shirt," and then you'll probably like forget about it. Do you know what I mean? But in this way, there's like a direct way to go. Yeah, if you like this T-shirt, like here's the NFC tag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go Mm -hmm. and you can literally save it right now. That that could change the streetwear industry overnight. You can, yeah,
0: yeah. Wow, can authenticate it on the spot as well. Oh, it's real. More
2: more people will will do that. Sorry, like yeah, I mean, it's
1: it's used by um like Montclair use it at the moment. They, they don't them. use it, they use it for an experience. They just use it for authentication because you're paying a grand and a half for a jacket. QR codes are too easily replicable these days. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, I've not seen a single brand that's built in an experience using NFC into their clothing, and it, and it works well with the patches as well because they're they you know their own unique designs that you can swap out and swap out different like stuff on. Yeah. So. I feel like for 20 quid for a new set of patches that people will be paying, I mean, I think it's a fucking great price for what you're yeah. getting. Um, I can't
0: wait to to see it, mate, and look at the experience that you've, you've built online for it. I I'd love wait. to have a look. Yeah, I can't wait for that.
2: You were talking about AI there. The first question I have for you is, as a designer, how do you feel about the way that the industry is going now where you can just create any image using a, a piece of AI? Like, do you, do you th- feel threatened by AI?
1: Um... I don't. I don't feel threatened personally. Um, I can see how other people would like a lot more. Like, cause I don't think I'm particularly artistically gifted. I think I've got a good eye for it. But I think genuine artists are probably some of them. I've seen people quite upset, but I do. I th- I just think it's fascinating. And I think it's something. It's one of those things that is here now. You know, we can moan about it, but it's might as well just embrace it. Like, um, and I. I definitely think. It, it's gonna add a bit of a. It's within a few years, creativity and kind of art and public. It's gonna be a bit, probably quite quite a bit bland and quite bleak. Like you've seen Levi's this year, they're doing their first um, AI uh, photo shoot where oh. it's just AI models and there's not even any like, not not anything real. The
0: models are go- oh wow it, yeah
1: that's yeah because <sighs> you can get this. It came out recently. Oh
0: I didn't even think of models going out of pocket. Yeah wow well, okay
1: yeah so it's a weird one because, you know, these things, people are saying everyone's going to lose their jobs, but it's, you know, when these things happen, you know, it leads to like just new jobs being created in different yep. parts of the world. So that's not something I'm particularly scared about. But what what an interesting perspective I saw in this whole thing. This is a, I think it was a marketing agency or something or a tech firm I saw on Twitter. And the guy said, look, so you, so firm, firm A, they fire 50% of their staff to, and replace it with AI and they work at a hundred percent. Firm B they keep all their staff, train them in AI. They work at 200%, but with the same amount of staff. So, you know, I think it's one of those things where it's just worth embracing. It's here now. It's going to fucking stay. It's only going to get better. Obviously, it sucks for some people, but at the same time, you know, I, 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 it's not replacing anyone yet Um, because, you know, there's like videographers and stuff. You know, you can get AI-generated video now, but you kind of need someone who understands how that world works to yeah fine tune it and turn it into an actual enjoyable piece of content or or a piece of art today 10 years down the line who the fuck knows um but right now that's what i'm saying is that i think like i use it a lot in photoshop for this especially like for disruption the collection and stuff because that's part of the theme but it's one of those things where it just makes the whole like if i want to be using some sort of image like it makes it a lot quicker to just type in a prompt um and get have to worry about paying like you know like for stock licensing because the amount of money i spent on licensing stock images is just absurd for what they are now that again I don't know how it's still quite like quite smoke and mirrors as well in the sense of the copyright rules isn't there with the AI like is, is there much about that yet you guys that I guys I think so
2: I think it's going to be a massive issue coming up the thing that I am particularly interested in is like people using other people's voices yeah. so i.e., you could create a new podcast with Joe Rogan's voice yeah. and you could and what people are doing at the moment is they're using that to sell like vitamins I saw that, that yeah. actual, I had that
1: on my feed actually it's up. insane yeah. isn't it have you seen really? that no, no. so
2: basically they'll create like a fake Joe Rogan podcast where they're selling these um, vi- uh, vitamins Oh, and wow. they will have a direct link to amazon and and it's literally Joe his voice well, talking
0: yeah. about these how wonderful these vitamins yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and wow. it will be
2: with Huberman and people like that like it will be like oh, a standard thing. yeah hey, yeah fuck. and then they'll be like oh yeah these these have boosted my energy by x amount they're really really good and like that's so that's a problem so that's almost like that's a
0: huge legisl- legislative problem isn't it yeah, yeah
2: the thing that we're really concerned about is like literally like uh, do you own the ip of your own face and your own voice like you could easily put your face in a in a Pepsi, you know, advert or an advert for represent or an advert for X amount of other brands yeah. that you don't even like. And you could you could have you saying whatever you want and also modelling the clothes and everything like voice, that. So
0: yeah. and imagine then, make make the voice not identical, make it ninety percent of Alexi's voice. Now is it now is it your voice or what like man, the lawyers are gonna have to be Catching up very think, quickly. That's why I think the
1: music industry, the music industry is going this direction. I think. I, I, I think artists will be purely licensing the rights to their voice now. Yeah. I don't know if any of you guys have seen it. I mean, I because I'm a bit of a Kanye fan. I say bit. I'm a massive Kanye fan. Not, not as so much recently, but <laughs> on, on, um, on TikTok, there's this new sort of genre of content where it's absurd. It's, people are taking like popular hip hop songs or like even Frank's and songs, and they've got an AI model of Kanye's voice, and he's then singing like my way. Yeah, like wow. Frank Sinatra and it sounds like absurdly similar to how like the, the, the subtle voice breaks and like the change in tones it sounds wow. you wouldn't be able to tell if you said to this one, oh look can't you do the cover of the song you would have no idea and this is just people like fan made ones this isn't like a properly studio sat down alright let's make an AR model of your voice because why would you bother spending hours in a studio trying to get the exact pitch if you can just type in the yeah. lyrics
0: why would you have to pay for a vocalist for a sample for songs I think David Greta the other day made a song and put like like Eminem talking about house music in the middle of it obviously he's not released it but he played it out live and he got a great reaction from it and it's like Come on, like should m M&M get some money for your yeah, great yeah, shit yeah. Oh man, it's it is a minefield. But I am absolutely fascinated by it.
2: When we're talking about also having to put a face your brand, and we were talking about like people being shy and not necessarily wanting to do that, you can completely create an AI face of your brand right now and have it say what you want it to say in video, and overlay whatever you want to just by writing in text. So that's the that's the level that we're going at now. So do you the, the question that we were talking about earlier on? Do you need to be the face of your brand? No, you don't. Not in the AI era. You really don't
1: no uh, absolutely that's 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 this is the sort of stuff I'm focusing on it's like the yeah. bleakness of is it bleak or is this the way that we should the way that things should be like you know like I'm not I'm not saying either side I'm just saying you know no, it's, 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 it's well,
2: you're about to create some amazing designs that are... Pr- like how much percentage AI probably eighty percent um
1: I would say so for example one of them I've taken like this AI generated image and I've taken all of the fucking like I've taken all the high levels out so it's just like kind of silhouettes and then I've warped them a bit and then I've just like added some like distressing like plugins I made. Mm. So technically yeah that's pretty pretty AI it, it's it looks like my work like it looks like a river god yeah, piece. Yes. But I didn't type in, you know, because I can't type in. I'm not big enough yet to type in. Make this like a River God T-shirt. <laughs> Give it a year. <laughs> and you'll be able to
0: upload all your pictures and go generate yeah. stuff that looks like this. Oh yeah, and then it's that's, like that's the
1: day. you can do that already. Oh, uh, can you? Stuff. So I followed this guy, this guy on TikTok who's like really in the AI scene, and he was showing that you can. There's this place that you can do that with with products, and you can also do it with um your own face. Oh, no. you, you put in 250 pictures of your face. And it doesn't have to be like 200, like 250 different parties. Like you can just like spam like your phone. And you can edit yourself in any lighting, any setting, any clothes, um, like any, you know. Any like film? Any, anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything, like if that's what you want to do. Like, exactly. And he was sharing, and it's it, literally. It, it, it's its wow. absurd. Like it, it's, it's currently only like that one. I don't know the name of it, but it's only in like currently in like image form, but still it's fucking mental. I
2: mean, the deep fakes <sighs> these days. I mean, yeah. that is literally just video and it's scary what you can yeah. do with that. Really scary.
0: We could talk about AI form. We could do a whole two hours on it on the you know the Easily. practicalities we, we, of AI.
1: We wouldn't even have to write the script for it.
0: No well. <laughs> <laughs> or sign up. Yeah. We'd, we'd yeah. all be in bed right now, yeah. and you know, Jake, Josh, and Alexa, would be talking about AI for two hours. Yeah. Wow. Where should we jump next? Then should we jump to
2: the Cortez video? I, I would love to talk about. Yeah, the go on, Josh. Go on. I would love to do go it. Go on. So um, for context. Yeah. So for context, we talked about. Cortez, we gotta say Cortez. Yeah. So, so first of all, Jake, we also got a lot of banter about the way we said it. Oh no. Because we said Cortez Instantly, your is,
0: reputation is and what you say is not important now. You can't, can't even say it. the word right. I you mean, know, No you one cares about you. If
2: you don't know the brand name, I mean, what the fuck Come are you on. doing? So, yeah, <laughs> we, we talked about Cortez, And what I found so interesting was that they've got this huge audience of people that were, like, super, super into it. And you've obviously, you, like, you love the brand, don't you? Yeah, I think it's awesome. Yeah, so I think it, that came across in the way that you were talking about it. And we were talking about guerrilla marketing and how that's, like, an amazing thing for them. Now... When we did this, we got a lot of comments, <laughs> right, yeah. and a lot of different perspectives, right. So what I thought would be quite fun is if we reply to a couple of these comments, and we can actually send them as little videos back to these people, and get <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually yeah, have sure. a bit of uh, a bit of chat with them. So, yeah, yeah, I like that. do you mind humouring our audience? And
1: yeah, I might, can I be
2: like really mean to them? Of course you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course you can.
1: No, I I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it above board. Okay. Um, I did not even. Yeah, I, I made sure I didn't. I didn't. Um, in the thing you sent me, I'm sure yeah. I didn't read them. I wanted it to be like my initial reaction to them. Okay. 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 So.
2: so are you ready? They Some of these were brutal. Some of them didn't make any sense. Some of them were brutal. <laughs> um, there were some people asking what 99p, uh, how much that was in different currencies. So I had to go through and like answer about 10 different currencies of what 99p was. Uh, I didn't comment go to Google Finance because um, uh, I'm nice <laughs> like that. Um, so the first one uh, from our very good friend, KC. KC. He said, only posh kids buy them clothes? <laughs> yeah. I, I think as, <laughs> as free, you know, fairly posh blokes. Jake, would you class yourself as posh? Just you too. <laughs> <laughs> I've never we, been we've called got, posh before. I've been called a Tory before. I've never been called posh before. <laughs> How do we respond to that?
1: Um, So, like, so uh, the whole like posh kid Cortez narrative thing, I think it's a bit, it's, it's because the posh kids are always the ones that are on their TikTok showing them wearing their pieces and they get you know, post it up because they've got like nice living rooms. Everyone's like watching the video and sharing it. So like, I feel like it's a, you know, it's like a loud minority. Like, I feel like, I mean, obviously a lot of posh, like private school kids are the only ones that can afford the reset of the pieces. Yeah. But if you, I was watching a bit of the new um, talk that Clint did with Tinker Hatfield, you know, the guy that designed like all the original Air Maxes and Jordans, like a fascinating, fascinating podcast. But What um Clint was saying is that, you know, the reason he did the Air Max 95 was because he, You know, after going through all of the options he was offered by Nike, he believed that was the most like working class shoe to him was a ninety five and that's what he wants to represent. He doesn't want to be, you know, that's not what he's trying to communicate. It happens the model of it being, you know, quick sell out, high resale. Obviously the people that have more money are able to afford that. But when you look at their site, like their prices really are not expensive if you're getting it from the drop. No. And that's who he, you know, and he keeps it private. He keeps it locked. Keep, he keeps it password locked. So you want, he wants the true people that the, the, the brand is for to wear it. So it's always going to be the case that, you know, like posh kids buy them clothes. But <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I,
2: don't, I Also, when I'm watching the content, I was watching that piece about the 99p cargos. case. I don't, when I was looking through the content, there wasn't a lot of sort of like posh kids running around London trying to find those cargoes. So like, that was what we were talking about as well. We were talking about that sort of marketing piece in particular. And mm-hmm. I and I don't think that was just for the posh kids.
1: Well, no, because if he was milking the posh kids, he would have made them fucking 99 quid. You know, it wouldn't be <laughs> yeah. 99p. The point is he's making, he's making them accessible for yeah. the people that are really, truly about his brand. People that are truly about his brand, you know, are the people he's targeting, which, you know, he's, he's making clothes that are inspired by working class references. So I think it's, uh, yeah, no, I, I have like, I have actually, uh, since the last podcast that I, I didn't really like the clothes or anything, I have, I have, I've been converted. I'm a, I'm a big oh, really? fan. I don't, I don't really I own a jacket, but I don't, I don't really like, again, I don't like the quality of the pieces, but I, I just think I have so much respect for what he's doing. Um, that I think I've just become naturally more interested in what, in the products he's making. But I would definitely say, yeah, like I don't, he, I don't, there's no way he intends it to be worn by by just posh, like like private school kids. Uh, I don't think so.
2: I think re- what you what you're saying is right, though. Is resale market the prices that they go for is exclusionary? But um, but on you know in the way that he actually wants to sell the clothes, it's for everyone.
1: Well, that's why I started designing myself because I couldn't afford them. I yeah. couldn't afford the resale pieces of the brands that I liked. And I know that if I was a kid, I would have been desperate to get some Cortez when I was younger, but I I couldn't couldn't afford that so i started designing my own stuff so like yeah it's it's a weird one but like it's just it's just the nature of that that kind of resale culture is Mm. that the people that have the money will always be the ones that will pay stupid prices for it so yeah yeah yeah. so next one oliver cheers cheers, casey yeah thanks
2: casey (laughs) (laughs) oliver's back now and oliver said why is this brand always kind of mid he says it's very plain
1: okay interesting um I mean, I'm not I'm not here to like fucking like lick Clint's ass and say this <laughs> brand's amazing because you know I've done enough of that on TikTok, um. And I, I do agree that the designs aren't a lot of them aren't particularly very interesting or intricate, but some of the some of the, some of them are if you look actually look into their you know pieces that are because the logo pieces are the ones everyone wants to wear and flex are the ones you're going to see everywhere. If you actually look at what they're releasing and there there's actually some really nice pieces that they do do. Um, but I would say yeah I mean it doesn't need to be though, does it? Mm-hmm. like if you're tele- if if you're encapsulating the logo and all the storytelling and all the exciting lifestyle and everything through your content and through your marketing communications and through his personality, I don't think the designs need to be too loud because it's kind of just like it's kind of just a badge It's like yeah like we're part of this this crew this lifestyle so mm-hmm. I, I I think if the clothes were too loud, the brand would die too fast um because it it, it would be too with how culty their following is if they had like this loud specific style. It would become too. It become just too trendy, if you know what I mean. So, mm. I think it's intentionally like that. Yeah, 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 it makes sense.
2: The last one uh, was by a guy called Rocke. He said, "Clothes made with unpaid labor."
1: By River Gods, UK made clothes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, that's not true. That's that's not true. I mean, I, at least I I I don't think it's true uh, yeah. with with Cortez. I mean, there are you know, there's a lot of problems with China manufacturing a lot of like Ouija Muslims that are being put in, um, in but you know I imagine that he's done his due diligence he's a guy that clearly has you know personal values and cares about people I doubt that he would just be he, he wouldn't have at least a bit of due diligence to know that at least it's not you know like unpaid slave labour I mean I'm not saying that he pays his, his, his workers enough if he's able to charge like £20 for a t-shirt mm. but at the same time I, I wouldn't go I wouldn't say it's just unpaid but if you d- if that's something that you care about, I would recommend going to <laughs> rvgd.co.uk co. Uh, for some paid adult labour.
2: British made, British made. luxury, street sustainable,
0: streetwear. organic, <laughs> vegan. <laughs> yeah, vegan. <laughs> Can we claim all, actually, all these no. things? Yeah, it's not no, actually no, vegan because no. it's all
2: made. Le- it's, it's all leather. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, pork. <laughs> oh, pork yeah. cargoes. Okay, last, last question. Last question
0: then. So we've obviously heard a lot about. Um, your goals mate, and you know, the factory idea I think is wonderful. The the day to day and the pursuit of the brand and the craft and the, the artistic pursuit is clearly your, your goal in the in the short term as well. Um we often make goals, don't we, based on a um sense of having unlimited time. So so the question is, if you were gonna die in two years, would, would the goals change? Um, not just from a business perspective but from a just personal perspective as well?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I would definitely say so because a lot, a lot of my, uh, life and a lot of what I do is very long-term orientated. I'm usually a year ahead in, in my mind. I don't really look back. I'm always thinking about what's the next thing, what's the next thing. And I feel like if, if, if you know, if life was capped to two years, I, I think it would be a massive shake up. I, I imagine I, in terms of river God stuff, I'd probably do liquidate everything. I'd, I'd sell everything for one pound. Everyone gets access to some really nice cheap yeah. clothes. <laughs> And I probably just it's such a boring answer, but I probably would just travel and just see stuff that I haven't seen before. Because, yep. I mean, I've only been abroad a few times um, in my life, so it would be nice to do that. But I i mean, I wouldn't be doing fucking TikToks telling people how to run their <laughs> brand anymore. <laughs> I might just become like like I might try and see if I could become like the next Andrew Tate, just become like really <laughs> controversial. Uh, like, two
0: years to do it, mate.
1: Yeah, that's a, a good challenge. <laughs> the two year Andrew Tate challenge. But nah, I think that's what I would do. I, I would I would scrap a lot of River God because I'm building that as a long-term thing. It's not a quick cash grab. Yeah. It, it's such a long-term project that it wouldn't make sense yeah. to do in such a short period of time. Uh, I'd probably also take a massive loan out, and not tell them that I'm going to die soon. Yeah. Uh, just go, I don't know. Probably shouldn't say what I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, We're not going to incriminate you. Yeah, 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 I'd, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd enjoy yeah. spending um, that loan on things that I probably wouldn't spend money on. Amazing actually
0: yeah. okay
2: interesting thought though isn't it he wouldn't need any money for traveling though because he's he'd teleport
0: <laughs> oh mate well it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you again we've covered some different ground this time which has been i think we've got a bit deeper on some stuff as well so um just to remind everyone like where you are you've got so many tiktoks so we'll just give we'll hand the stage to you for 10 minutes to uh, let everyone know <laughs> about all your channels
1: yeah so the main one I'm focusing on right now that I'd appreciate people checking out is just the at rvgd.clow, which is the new Instagram page, which is, you know, are going to be a lot more professional now. Um, but my personal pages that I do on Instagram and TikTok is at Alexi Hamblin, which, you know, people always spell wrong. So if you can just link that. Um,
2: it will come up. Wonders of editing. Yeah, you can do the uh, Rafa Benitez. Yeah. Sort of thing if, you want. if you want to do that, look into that. Camera yeah, now. I'll do the Rafa Benitez. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, so that's that's where you can find me, and also um, rvgd.co.uk It's currently locked, but I think it'll be open by the time the podcast comes out um, for the new drop. So that's where you can find me.
0: Amazing. It. Well, it's going to be some year, 2023, and yeah, thanks for talking to us again.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah.